Welcome, and thank you for listening to the 9-7 Podcast, where we talk about our journey from 9-7 to now. We are your hosts, Richard and Mary Robinson. Though we aren't relationship experts, we've learned a lot along the way since 9-7. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, hey. I hope you all have had a great week. And that this week is off to a fantastic start for you. It is for me. Me too, actually. We're having a great week thus far. Um, what are we talking about today? Uh, I think today, top, today's topic is about only children and siblings. Okay, so that includes both of us. We, 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 meaning that we check both of those boxes collectively. Oh, okay. You being an only and me being one of five. Mm-hmm. So. Is it, is it only five of y'all? It's, yes, only five. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm the youngest of those five. The baby. The baby. So, if we follow stereotypes, two spoiled people have gotten married. True that. Okay. Stereotypically, that is. Mm-hmm. So, as an only, what would you say, how would you say your childhood played out for you? Um, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have to share anything like that. Um, I think, I don't know. It was one of those things where it was just my childhood. I had a lot of, uh, even though I'm an only child, you know, where I grew up, I had a lot of family around. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of cousins that would, you know, be around for extended periods of time. So um, we were fairly close. Yeah. I don't know if we were close as siblings because I don't have siblings, mm-hmm. but I would say we were that close. Um, you know, in most of my formative years and probably a better part of my fonder memories of my childhood involve one or all of my you know more immediate yeah cousins that like are your first cousins that were around you a lot yeah that are, we're all about the same age roughly mm-hmm. you know and um you know i think that that did a lot for shaping me in the way and who i am and things like that but at the same time, as the only child, you get to spend a lot of time with yourself. Yeah. Which um, I think gave me a ton of time to observe the world and then reflect on it. Because, uh, you know, there was really no noise unless I made it type right. situation. So I got a lot of time to do a lot of interpersonal or introspection. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of time to... Uh, experiment yeah socially uh especially since uh growing up as an only child we we kind of moved a lot Mm -hmm. so i got a chance to you know go to a school and be one way go to another school be another way (laughs) (laughs) see see how those things played out but i kind of feel like that speaks more to the level of intellect you are more than your only child classification Maybe I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, it's like we tell the we talk all the time and tell the kids like your experience is your own. Yeah, exactly. so you don't really know anyone else's experience because 
you know, as as a young person and even an adult, you're very selfish in that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, you only know what you have experienced and you can only maybe try to apply that. But until you realize that there's something else that does exist that may not be the experience that you're that other people have, then you start to question things. But I think you got to that point a lot earlier, younger than even a lot of only children that I know. Oh, okay. Okay. To where you could you understood that you can literally reinvent yourself if you're in a new environment every single time if you may if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And and that that experimentation, that social experimentation um really informed me a lot cuz again, I think and and again as a only child, this is speculation on how life with siblings are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like, especially if you have older siblings, you know, that that oldest sibling goes through everything first. Right. You know, so when you are the younger sibling, you can always kind of go to that older sibling and say, well, here's the scenario. Mm-hmm. And they can more than likely up to a certain point, they can say, well, I wouldn't do that or I would do that right. or you know, if you try to do that and get caught, you're going to be in a heap of trouble. Mm-hmm. Just all these little tidbits or insights, you know, um, even watching our nieces, you know, as they were getting older, the younger brother goes to the middle child and says, uh, I think I like this girl. And she goes, oh, just compliment her shirt or something. I remember that. I was so cute because they yeah. were little at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, just compliment her shirt or something and she'll she'll like you back. And it was just like that little bit of insight seems like throw away or off the cuff. Mm-hmm. But when you have nobody to confide in that way or no one to have that kind of conversation with, you end up either, you know, kind of the odd person out for not knowing, you know, what I would consider tribal knowledge. You mm-hmm. know, it's some things that are shared among groups, you know, right. of, of like minded same age people that sometimes as an only child you're just you don't know until you know right and you know socially sometimes that's too late right i mean because we even see it with our kids and they're younger but our younger daughter will for sure go to our older daughter and i'll be you know peek listening around the corner and she's like well if i go and do this will mommy get mad like (laughs) yeah exactly exactly because she's done it before right right? she's a she's a older sibling so it's like well when you were seven you know did you did you try to do this and Mm -hmm. or did you try it last week and when you did 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 mommy get upset it's it's all those kind of things so you as only you experience a lot of first first Mm-hmm. But then you also don't have anyone to teach it to, which you oh, you learn from as well, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you know, in talking to, you know, your oldest brother several mm-hmm. times, it's like listening to him talk about explaining something to one of the younger siblings. I realized that he learned something himself right right. because it's the older version of himself telling his younger sibling about an event that now the older him sees different than he did when he may have actually done it right and it's like even that is a 
a, a benefit of a sibling where you get to learn a thing by teaching, which is something I, I latched on to later in life that sometimes the best way to learn is to teach. Right. So with your cousins, you didn't really ever feel like that level of comfort, I guess? Yeah, no, I did. But I think, you know, it's one of those things that when when they came around, it was almost like a joyous time. Mm-hmm. So whenever they were they were around, it was like, oh, I have a kind of built-in person to go hang out with and play with and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we didn't often get to those types of conversations in the duration that they was there. You know what I'm saying? So yes. like if they came... If I saw them over a weekend, right, two or three days, the last thing on my mind is let's have this conversation about how to approach a girl, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be, now, why are you here, man? Let's play basketball. Let's ride four-wheelers. Let's, yeah. let's do all this stuff. All the fun recreational yeah, stuff. Yeah, all the stuff that I need a second person here to do that hasn't been here for me to do that stuff with. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. It was, it was one of those kind of things. So it wasn't that I didn't trust them or nothing like that. Like, I felt like, you know, especially as we got older, we had a lot of different conversations as uh, when I was in, like, my teenage years and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was pretty formative. Um, and a lot of lessons from those kind of conversations were there. But definitely up to, you know, my mid-teenage years and younger you know, like pre-driving. Yeah. It was just like, nah, you here is playtime. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's go have some fun. Um but yeah, that that was really interesting. I think also the thing about being an only child, um, it made me in, in extremely cerebral, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like in my head a lot, but in a good way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily uh, stuck in my head on something negative, which is something that I, I battle a little more now than mm-hmm. I did when I was younger. But younger, it was definitely like, oh, you just leave me in a room by myself and I'm going to just have a good time in, in the room by myself. Right. And it won't be a, a big deal. And I probably won't be too loud doing it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other thing too, which is interesting because COVID kind of put me back in that mode a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, with that kind of time, you can hone a lot of different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, uh, practicing the draw was a thing that I did a lot as an only child because it was just like, I got pencil and paper and this is something I can do by myself. So I did that quite a bit. Right. And then, you know, with our growing up in the 80s, it wasn't like there was a ton of distracting things that you could do there wasn't yeah. i mean yeah we had nintendo but mm-hmm. for the most part if it wasn't a book paper pencil maybe some playing cards if you learn how to play solitaire yeah like, yeah exactly you know other than that you're going outside trying to play yeah so. <laughs> exactly exactly and even then it required a, a fair amount of imagination right you know so you know i was really into that kind of imaginative play Stuff like that, but overall, you know, I think I think my childhood was was really good. I think it really shaped me a lot in the way of being a being able to observe people mm-hmm. and people watch, and I think that that really taught me a huge amount, especially being able to people watch 
while traveling. Right. Right. Like going from different schools and yeah, things of that nature. Yeah. And seeing like, oh, in this area, you know, not just observing like clothes and things like that, but just observing how people act day to day. Right. How they walk, like different people walk different in different areas and you know, uh a nonverbal greeting is different yeah. in different areas and just those little nuances that you realize Oh, so everybody doesn't do this thing. Like they do, or they do, but it's in a different way. Like yeah. I know that in certain areas, you know, the the head nod goes back, and in some areas, the head nod goes forward. Like right. it's just those right. little right. minute things that you notice in different different areas that you live. And sometimes the translation of it, right? Like if everybody if everybody does the head nod. Does the one direction mean something different right. than the other? And it's always these weird nuances, mm-hmm. you know, about the different things. So that was that was always that was really interesting. But other than that, I thought I thought growing up was as an only child was was pretty good. Uh, not that I was spoiled in any major way, you know, because it wasn't like we had a ton of money. Right. But it was one of those things that it was. Uh, I learned to be very appreciative very early Mm -hmm. for what I did have. So I did kind of protect the items that I had fiercely. Um, And that was just really a social economic thing because, you know. You knew you won't go get it again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If if Billy wanted to play and Billy broke my G.I. Joe, then I just don't have a G.I. Joe. G.I. Know now. Yeah, basically. (laughs) G.I. Know. (laughs) Oh, man. But basically, you know what I'm saying? So so it wasn't a only child spoiled situation, you know what I'm saying? It was just a, a resources situation right. more than anything else. But other than that, I think the other thing that I really learned as an only child is conversation mm-hmm. and how to, like conversation was a big one, just sitting and conversing with a person about nearly any topic but then the one that really i think really as i think about it now is how to enjoy people and a moment in time Mm -hmm. right like to be in a group uh especially as an only child to be in a group of people that you may not necessarily know super well and understanding how to go with the flow understanding that it's okay to be like no nah, i don't want to do that and and push against the grain even in the because you know a lot of times when people first fall into a group they want to just go with what the group's doing right regardless right because mm-hmm. they want to be accepted and i think being the only child and being in that situation so often it, it helped me ground myself in understanding me enough to say no, I don't want to participate in that behavior. Even though I think you guys are cool or is is okay to hang out with you, that particular thing I don't want to do. And and realizing that as long as you are like that and you're firm and that people will just accept you right. as you are. Right. So you can be, you know, in a group of people that do drugs and not do drugs and they'll accept you as the person who doesn't do drugs in their group. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things... Um, that that carried with me a really long time. And I think that became really important to 
how well I'm able to interact with people, um, if you consider it well, I guess, um, because, you know, you also learn how to be in the moment and have fun right now, right, without necessarily derailing it or making it go south, and sometimes even how to stir up fun, like mm-hmm. make a situation that may not be as fun a little funner for the people around you right so they can better enjoy the moment versus you know what I'm saying being kind of downtrodden or things like that so uh you know I think it it helped me come away with a really valuable soft skill set cool in the in the long run what about you with how many of you seven there's, there's five of us yeah how well, about the you? youngest well the thing about it um you know we've of course had this conversation before like I, I had four siblings, however, my there's two girls and three boys, and I'm the youngest, and the other girl, my sister, is the oldest, and she is 16 years older than I am. So y'all like bookends, huh? Right. So by the time I was two, she was moving out. Mm-hmm. And, and getting married and all and all those kinds of things. So it was really just me and my brothers, mm-hmm. right? And because it was me and my brothers, and there really weren't a lot of little girls in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the brothers. <laughs> Not when I was little. Like, as I got older, you know, when you hit school age and you realize, oh, there are some other little girls around, but a lot of them were much older than I was or a lot younger than I was. So it was really just me. So even though I wasn't an only and I did have the benefits of having siblings and people around all the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really kind of was more to myself because, you know, my dad was a little more strict on his daughters. So... I couldn't like, you know, go and go with a cousin to the skating rink or go do this or go do that. I'd have to like really beg to be able to go with the brother that's closest to my age, which is we we are only three years apart. And um, he would be able to go a lot more than I than I did. So I'd have to like really, really beg in Mm -hmm. order to be able to go. But because it was just me in my household as far as being a girl and even in the neighborhood like I was saying I I was more to myself so you know it wasn't an only child situation but I guess it was one of those where I don't really have much else to do except you know play with my own stuff read a lot of books which is what I really did a lot of be in my room a lot you know drawing pictures playing with dolls like um just being with me and then I would hang out with my mom a lot in the kitchen you know learning to cook and um I'd hang out with my grandma because she was only two houses down so I'd go down Nana's house and just sit with Nana for the the better parts of the days especially during the summertime um learn how to make awesome things like applesauce that I know you really like Mm -hmm. and um so Shout out, that, shout out to my nana. Shout out and, and my nanny, your mm-hmm. grandma. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I did a lot with helping her with some applesauce too. So 
Um, but so that was that part of, you know, having siblings. But then the other part was, like you said, like that, you know, constant someone that you can ask questions to take you under their wing. I remember like when I was five and I was afraid to go to school because, you know, it was just me and mama at home for a minute, you Mm -hmm. know, for at least a couple of years when all of them would go off to school. So the first day I just didn't want to (laughs) go. And I remember my oldest, my oldest brother, he and I were 14 years apart. I remember him picking me up and and carrying me on the bus, you know, just that type of, you're going to be fine. I'm on the bus too. We're all on the bus. And I remember my middle brother coming and sitting up front with me because people in the back, some, you know, older kids, for those of you who may not be aware where we grew up, all grade levels were on the same bus. Now, once I became a teacher, I realized that wasn't The the norm or even just not something that happens everywhere. Um, that was weird to me when I first started teaching, because I'm like, wait, what? All of y'all ride the same bus? <laughs> but um, where we grew up, it was, you know, it's growing now, but it was much smaller then, and we all rode the, you know, pre-K all the way to grade 12. If you weren't driving yet, you rode the same bus. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, my middle brother coming and sitting with me, on the bus because the people in the back were acting foolish. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we had those types of interactions. And then we, of course, you know, as you grow older or as I grew older, I could, you know, call on my sister and say, Hey, you know, this event's coming up homecoming or prom or whatever. Can you go with me dress shopping and or um, take me dress or shopping. take me or yeah. I'm 15. I want a second or I uh, no, I was, in fourth grade, I wanted to get my ears pierced, and she and I looked, and still do look, very much alike. And because she's 16 years older than me, you know, and I'm in fourth grade, what's that, eight or nine? And she's 20-something at that point, so she just signed the paperwork like she was my mom. <laughs> and I have my ears pierced because my dad, again, was a little more strict on us. And... um he wasn't going to go for it, but she took me and got my ears pierced. And then when I wanted my second hole in when I was like 15 or 16, she took me to get that. And, um, but you know, it's those types of intimate kind of relationships where it's like, Hey, I'm, this is happening. Can you help me out? You know, or even like my, the brother right next to me, just our, like we're, we're really close because a lot of our, experiences are common so like you know in our in our sibling relationship we we say that there's like a a older set and a younger set and then my middle brother literally was like the baby of the older set and the oldest oldest of the younger set (laughs) good old number three (laughs) so when we talk like you know the older set had a very different experience with my parents than than we did in the younger set. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my middle brother kind of understands both sides of that coin because he was kind of there for both. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, there's certain things that the older set experienced with mom and dad that we didn't. And sometimes I'm like, man, that's messed up. We ain't going to do stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your parents were a lot older by the time you came Right. Home. I mean, you're talking literally three decades worth Mm -hmm. of 
babies. Mm-hmm. Like 60s, 70s, 80s. And by the time I came in the 80s, my mom and dad were older. They weren't trying to go to the beach and do nothing Mm-mm. like that with us. Mm-mm. It was, okay, yeah, you can go with your little friends. Like, <laughs> oh, I know them. They're family. Because a lot of our friends, you know, growing up mm-hmm. were family. Mm-hmm. You know, cousins, friends, like distant cousins that you don't realize that's your distant cousin until you re- tell your mom and dad. It's like, oh, yeah, that's your cousin. That's so-and-so, uncle's grandbaby, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, oh, they're going to Bush Gardens here. Take some money. Go to Bush Gardens. Mm-hmm. Because also, you got to think at that time, if they're, if they're going to Bush Gardens, they're not just paying for me. It's paying for mom, dad, and at least three siblings. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And like you, we didn't have, like, money growing on trees. Mm-mm. So, it was a lot cheaper to say, okay, yes, I will give you... The thirty, I think it was like thirty or thirty-five dollars at the time, to go with that family that's going, and here's some spending money, because you do get to experience it. Mm-hmm. We just can't all afford to go. Right, all at the same time. Right. Yeah, that that's um, cost prohibitive. Right. Mm-hmm. But I know for you that may not have been your experience all the time because, like, I know like you and your dad would go and do yeah. special things, or like I know your birthday always falls around. Well, at that time, the state fair in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So y'all would always make it a point to go. I didn't have any of those experiences mm-hmm. <laughs> with my parents because it was just so many of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I was about to say, when it's just one, it's real easy. Hey, let's go get ice cream. It's right, just one. Right. Right. Even on a fixed budget. Go when get ice cream for me was, let me go down to this um, food line, get this <laughs> Neapolitan. <laughs> And we might splurge on some cake cones. I know that's right. Because when when you get an ice cream for five, <laughs> right? You, know, you better get this this half a gallon yeah. and 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 scoop it out and, and put it on that ice cream cone. And it's simple math, right? If 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 me and my dad are going and me and my mom's going, that's you know if the ice cream's two dollars, that's four dollars. Uh, that's not too bad, right? If if five of y'all going, but if seven total people going, you know what I'm saying that's Fourteen dollars. Yeah, it's a lot know? more. And when you can go get the Neapolitan for four, for four dollars, and the cake cones for two, that's six dollars, and you got enough for more than one cone. Right, and everybody can get and some. Everyone can get some. Yeah. So I mean, there was that type of, you know, experience too, um, you know, where because we, there was so many of us, and and granted, by the time I. I was a little bit older. Like I said, my sister was already moved out and that type of thing. But, I mean, there was, it was, it was, I mean, I can't trade my, my childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I had a great time. Like, like I said, I was more secluded. I did keep to myself a little bit more. But, you know, I grew up in a very loud house full of life all the time. Mm-hmm. Always something going on playing the piano or guitar guitar or just music blaring because we loved to just listen to music and dance around the house i mean play board games we always had somebody to play with mm-hmm. granted we didn't always have the pieces to the games but we did have somebody to play <laughs> and make, we used to make up games because like you with your drawing and your and your um, what did you say you did? Drawing, writing, and drawing and writing. We would just make up games to play, 
I mean, one of them we had, and we still would play this now if everyone was here. Like, we used to throw a tennis ball up and see who can get it closest to the ceiling without mm-hmm. touching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the, 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 one, the two things that, that I remember most that really show me a huge difference between not just our childhoods, but the impact of siblings versus non-siblings is when we first got married and started living together. And we were a few months in. And one day you was just sitting there and you just looked at me and was like, so quiet. And I was just like, and it yeah. threw me off because I was like, yeah, it should be quiet. Like, I'm not saying anything. The TV's <laughs> at a, a reasonable volume. We're just sitting here. And you was just like, it's too quiet. It's just too quiet. And I was like, I don't understand what you mean. And then you reminded me of when we were dating and I would come to your house and especially like a Saturday, it was always a buzz. You got people coming by, you got football on TV, you know, and, and your family's big sports fans. Mm-hmm. So you got, you know, the conversations going on, plus people stopping by, you know, plus people giving random stats, random facts about the stats, mm-hmm. other side conversations going on. You know, your mom doing her thing in and around the house. Mm-hmm. And this is all happening at the same time, you know. And sometimes, you know, it'll be situations where there's multiple games on. So somebody might have one game on the radio, one game on a on a TV in one room, another game on the TV in another room, you know. And it's very much, for me as an only child, coming to your house. I know you were overwhelmed a little bit. I mean, I know that... Your cousins and things w- would bring a certain level of, you know, busyness to, like, certain times of the year. Maybe Thanksgiving, Christmas, that type of thing. But I know just on a random Friday, Saturday, when you would come over, it was probably like, whoa, this is a lot. Only only a few <laughs> times. Only a few times. By then, I had gotten really accustomed with being in groups. Mm-hmm. So, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. But the thing that used to always, always capture me was... How many active conversations oh, could could go on at once? At one time, and then you can jump between them. And, and, and I'm sure that was something that, that you were was, like, "What?" That was the jarring. You'd thing. be talking to someone to your left, hear the conversation to your right, and then say, "All right," and then I'm jumping this conversation to my right, but then jump right back to the one on the left. Yeah, yeah. Or how it happened to me was I'm having a conversation with someone; they're hearing a secondary conversation. They reply to that person in that conversation. And you think, well, and then I go, oh, (laughs) wait, I thought I was talking to you. And then he said, no, no, keep going, keep going. Like, I haven't stopped listening to you, Mm -hmm. but this caught my attention. I replied to that and then now keep going. That that whole duality of of ambidextrous conversation, (laughs) that was really that was really tough for me. And see, for me, that's just normal. Yeah, exactly. I, I never, I, I can't say that I can completely attend the way that I've seen some of my siblings and even my uncles, because I'm sure that's where they got it from. Because, you know, my dad had, there was there were 12 of them, six boys Oof. and six boys. So I remember, you know, when they would come over and that's the way that, that's the way all conversations worked. If they, If all of my dad's brothers were together or even just a portion of them. They always function in that way, and they're all talking. And they over would top all talk, other. and the conversation would you would be 
playing ping pong, trying to hear it all, but they would hear it all and could intelligently comment in any given conversation at any given time. And that's all happening just All just happening. Across each other, you're talking beside you, but then you talk across the table and the other person's talking to you and it was a lot. And but, people telling people they wrong and giving them the right stats. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that fussing, was, then they get to fussing, then they calm back down, <laughs> and then, then they good again. And Yeah, that was that was the that was the one thing that was really jarring. And then, like I said, I remember when you were talking about how quiet it was. But then, you know, one of the things that always jump out at me is the Rygoff story. Oh, yeah. You know, that was one of those things where it's like, man, all of you are participating in this one thing. Yeah, the Rygoff story is there was this game we had gotten secondhand, so we didn't have any of the materials to went to go with it no book no anything like that and this was pre-internet so it's not like we could look it up and see mm-hmm. you know what what to do and there's mm-hmm. a particular game for nintendo that was really really hard for us and then as a gamer it's not it's not necessarily obscure but you wouldn't have found it in like a nintendo power right. or nothing like that either and so and, and nintendo who buying a magazine who gonna spend that three dollars on a magazine <laughs> Man, that three dollars went to that Neapolitan <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> but um, we, my middle brother, younger youngest brother, and myself, played that game like all three of us together to try to beat it. But it's a one player game. But it's a one player game. So like, I would play for a while. We would leave the Nintendo on, tuck it up under the um <laughs> under in, the entertainment, entertainment center. center, and then. Someone else would turn to the, you know, what was it, the correct UHF or VHF or whatever, and they would continue playing it, and then they would tuck it up under when they were done. And then, because, you know, with Nintendo, you can't just, like, save or anything yeah, like yeah. that. It's like, leave it on, and we're going to beat it. Don't turn it off. Mm-hmm. And it stayed that way for a while, but we did beat it. But it was the fact that, like you were saying, we could work together mm-hmm. to try to get that thing accomplished. Yeah. That, that story really jumped out to me because no manual. You playing this game on essentially ultra hard. Because we didn't know how to do upgrades. Matter of fact, one when we found that game again. Yeah, we And I it. researched it and I realized, oh my gosh. <laughs> we played this game on like the hardest way you could play. Yeah, no upgrades. Because we didn't barehanded. know you could upgrade. We yeah. didn't know you could upgrade the weapons and all that. We just played it with the general weapon you get at the beginning. And we beat the whole game that way. Insanity. Insanity. So knowing, you know, your experience and you enjoying your experience as an only child, why were you so adamant about having more than one? Because... You know, like we've said plenty of times, we've been together a very long time. So when we first started, okay, when we first started dating, I had a, I was in a sociology class. Shout out, shout out to Miss Atkinson. Mm-hmm. And in that class, by the time we, I think I was a senior, so we had been dating for a year already. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, we've had conversations. We love each other. If we were to have children, how many would you want? And your first thought was five. Mm-hmm. Instantaneously. And I was not having that. But knowing your experience as an only, why did you automatically not want to only have one? So even even back then, I had a couple of, I guess, epiphanies mm-hmm. as, a, as an only child. And 
one one of those epiphanies was around the, the simple stuff, right? You're growing up having someone else to communicate with X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. is going to make traversing childhood not necessarily easier, easier right? Because you could have a sucky brother or sister, right? But the the odds are in your favor that your brother or sister is going to look out for you on some level, mm-hmm. right? So that was that was easily the first answer in that in that equation. The next answer was the more children we have, mm-hmm. the higher uh, possibility that it'll be easier to care for us later in life. Okay, that was really my second thought because at some point. I can't remember exactly when, but at some point it dawned on me that I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that I'm getting older and all things being equal, my parents are getting older. So I quickly got to the stage of saying, at some point, my mom and dad will be old. Mm-hmm. And when they're old, the responsibility of taking care of them in their later years now, let me backtrack to how I got to this point. Mm-hmm. So I had already seen my aunt on my mom's side, um, you know, volunteer to take care of her father-in-law mm-hmm. when he got in his later years mm-hmm. in life. You know, and unfortunately, he had, uh, I think, dementia mm-hmm. or something or some kind of ailment like that, um, which, you know, was very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know. In observing that and then having certain conversations with my mom about her getting older, like, oh, mom, what you going to do when you're an old lady? Like, I would say it in jest or whatever, and she would really be real honest and frank with me and be like, well, you know, when I as I get older, I don't want to be a burden to you and your future wife. And, mm-hmm. and those kind of statements like that right. really led me down the road of like, wait a minute, at some point, these people will be old and someone has to take care of them. Yep. And if I'm the only one, then that the entirety of that, not necessarily burden, but the entirety of that responsibility falls, falls on, on you on yeah. my shoulders. So I was like, so to on us now. Yeah. So to not incur that same thing to another generation, I immediately want more than one. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then I'm like, if I have five right now, it's five people to spread that workload in whatever that may be. Right whether it's uh, financially spread the load or if it's actually, hey, you go check on dad, Mm -hmm. you go check on mom today, you know, regardless of where they are in the world or whatever the case may be. So some of those things was what factored into wanting more than one. Um, Five was a little bit of wishful thinking. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I shot that down so fast. Yeah, yeah, because really I was just like, you know, Five gives me, and this this was honestly the thought. The first thought was, I don't know anything about being a parent. Mm-hmm. So if we have five, that gives me five chances to get it right. Because <laughs> I don't know how well I'm gonna do with the first few as I as I try to figure this out. But then, but then, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, on average, it's me and you. If it's five, you know, that's like two and a half children per person and you want a lot of grandkids yeah i do want a lot of grandkids that's you know that's one of the big goals i have is to have um plenty of grandkids but then that was 
that was something I do want is a lot of grandkids. But the five was like, you know, regardless of what happened, there's like at least two people. Oh, I see. You know. Oh, two of our children. Right. That would be able to. I see now. I was a little bit uh, jumping ahead there. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, if we have five, then out of the five, we should at least get two that have the means and are willing to help us in in our later years. That's literally how I was thinking right. about it. So that's that's kind of how I got to that number. Gotcha. So it wasn't like about the relationship that they have with each other. Because that was my reason for at least wanting two. Because I wanted them to grow up with a natural friend. Yeah. Well, that's what I said at the beginning. Yeah. Having a sibling automatically helps you know, unless you have just a terrible sibling, which mm-hmm. is possible. But on average, having a sibling helps ease some of that um some of that burden or whatever you want to call it in, in going through childhood. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like regardless of the age gap. Or just having that experience with, with someone else, like that you're with majority of your day. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, we literally are in the same house and mm-hmm. Especially in our situation with homeschooling, like they're mm-hmm. literally with one another, other than you know athletics and 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 Any structural extra, things like that. Extracurricular but, stuff. Yeah, they're they're with each other and they, you know, learn how to support each other. Yeah, they learn how they get on each other's nerves too. But all of that's a part of growing up and mm-hmm. learning how to deal with people, yeah. especially with the personalities that are just so different. Yeah. I think the I think I didn't get to like the them being with each other until later in life. When when I was thinking about it and and honestly I was thinking about uh you cuz I remember one day me you and um your middle brother mm-hmm. were having a conversation and this was the f- maybe the first or second time I heard you refer to the first half the older set and the younger set. Mm -hmm. And the thing that jumped out to me in that conversation was the fact that when you talk to the two older siblings, Mm -hmm. they have very vivid shared memories, right? And then when you talk to the younger two set, you and and the um, brother close to you have very vivid shared memories. And then the middle brother, he teeter-totters some memories he has that are very vivid that sit with the older set mm-hmm. and then others he have that are very, very, very vivid that sit with mm-hmm. the younger set. And what it did, what it crystallized in my brain was the idea that your older two siblings have a picture of your parents yep. that only they have. Yep. It's a it's a memory of your parents and a lifestyle and a way that they acted that only exists between those two siblings. Mm-hmm. And that's a bond and a and a that's a bond even in your group of five. Right. That is uniquely shared by those two. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Just like the reverse, there's a whole set of memories and a whole lifestyle that they just cannot even begin to fathom. That's shared by you and and your younger brother. Well, just in in my middle brother is in a lot of those shared memories that we had too until he went away to college. Because mm-hmm. like my older siblings have no recollection of like 
Saturday night dance parties with Power 93 because it was Power 93 back then. Mm-hmm. And we would turn on Power 93 and it would be as loud as it could go. And my mom and dad would, you know, be out, you know, hanging out over they a friend's got a built-in house. babysitter. Right, because my oldest, bro- my, my middle brother is 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's automatic babysitter right there. Automatic. 15, I'm 5, my next brother up is 8. Mm-hmm. Like, that's easy street. Yeah. So they go out and hang out over their friends' houses. And we in the house and about 7 o'clock on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. What time? About 7 o'clock. <laughs> Power 93, <laughs> DJ Juan Condi. Juan Condi. Used to, you know, be on the radio. And then it was some other DJ, too, that would be mixing and stuff, man. We had the best time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's a shared memory that, mm-hmm. that you three have that mm-hmm. they just don't they have. They don't have that. And I think that's that was the other thing that, you know, when we had the child conversation and things like that, it really solidified in my mind that at that point, I feel like I would be doing a disservice to have only one child. Mm -hmm. Not only to me in my later years, if you look at it from an investment standpoint, right? But also to that child. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because now our kids will have a shared memory of us and a lifestyle that is uniquely shared between them right that no one else has because to your point no one was around us and could formulate these memories mm-hmm. as much as they they were right. and that'll be a thread that binds them yeah you know the entirety of their life regardless of what what path they'll go so so that was uh, that really that conversation definitely reinforced to me you know almost the need to have at least more two. more than one right yep yep which is really interesting having now yes having three it's really interesting even though i think they're going to come away because even now or let me say this especially as i get older mm-hmm. i do enjoy my quiet time me too and and yes but <laughs> those three are definitely more accustomed to there's always something happening and they're always chattering to each other yeah. and it's always like a buzz like when they're awake it's just a buzz mm-hmm. in the house that's constant that's very familiar to what it was like when I would come to your house when yeah. we were dating it's always a buzz and even i mean granted our oldest was five when her first sibling came. So she kind of did get used to having some quiet time. But because I was raised with siblings, even when she was little, we were always kind of trying to do something in the house. Yeah. So she's not yeah, really used busy. to quiet, quiet. But mm-hmm. like now she still kind of, she, she, she enjoys that I would just want to be by myself. Whereas the younger two, they don't know any different than always having a big sister around. So for them, they're like, no, no, we need to be playing. We need to be doing this. And sometimes I can tell and I'll, you know, I'll tell her, okay, go in your room for a while and I'll play with the little one specifically just so she can have (laughs) some time to herself. And I know as she gets older too, that's going to be something that she's going to want more of, but you know, just trying to let her know, I see you, you know, 
You can have that's, your quiet time. That's an interesting thing that happens to you where kids get to a point and they're like, my little siblings, X, Y, and Z, at least from movies, right? Yeah. And they're like, my little siblings, X, Y, Z. And then at some point they come back and they're like, oh, I love my little siblings. I want them around me all the time. And it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a Joni Mitchell situation, right? <laughs> like, oh, you, you had it all the time and you're just like, oh, I'm so tired of this all the time. And then when you don't have it, you're like, oh, man, I miss it. Which right. I kind of almost feel like is was you when we first got married. When you was like, man, it's quiet. <laughs> that that conversation still tripped me out. Yep. Even now when quiet. I think about it. I mean, because it was one of those things where even quiet wasn't quiet. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah. Cause so, you, like, I always... enjoyed by myself time, but it still wasn't necessarily quiet. quiet. I just had my door closed. Right. It's still a buzz. So, there was always a buzz of noise. Mm-hmm. You know, people walking around, people talking. You mm-hmm. know, it just was through my door. Mm-hmm. So, in my room, I was alone and doing whatever i wanted to do but there was still noise so Mm -hmm. when it was like absolute quiet like there's nothing because you know we didn't like turn on the tv just to have the tv on all the time so Mm -hmm. it was like man it's like it's it's actually really it's like library quiet (laughs) what is this about (laughs) that's hilarious that's hilarious well that was a that was a good talk yeah Good little combo. Mm-hmm. I enjoy hearing about your siblingdom. And then your uh, singledom. <laughs> <laughs> Only dumb. <laughs> man. They like coming with them today, man. Yeah, you been so some zingers. funny. You got some zingers today. Yes. This is some quality material they're getting this time around. Quality. <sighs> but yeah, I think, I think that's... That was a good one. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Be uh, sure to like our page on Instagram. Um, subscribe to our podcast and comments. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you. Somebody at Juan Condi on social media. <laughs> Tell him his ears got to be itching right now. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, everyone. Have a Have a great day. Bye, guys. <laughs>